0: I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, crossroads, directional arrows, the path, the journey, and your must. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy. And this is episode 331, Crossroads. Quote, All too often, we feel that we are not living the fullness of our lives because we are not expressing the fullness of our gifts. El Luna. A few months ago, we were on our way to a doctor's appointment across town. And as we waited at a busy intersection, I noticed couple of sets of signposts across the road. It is a really big intersection. So we were pretty far away from these, but I could see them across the median and across the other lanes of traffic and not necessarily right on the corner, but they caught my eye and I had just enough time to see them. And I had the impression that one set was multicolor and one set I think might have been just blue. That was my sense at the time. And I could tell at a glance that these signs pointed in all kinds of directions. I couldn't make out what they said from where we were waiting in traffic, but I could see that the signs were at funny angles, going all kinds of directions, directions that weren't relative to the actual roads and streets, pointing in all different ways. And I thought that maybe it was some form of tourist notation, some kind of clever, here's the city, rather than you can use these arrows to actually truly get somewhere. You can use these arrows instead to go in the general direction of something. And I was really struck. I was struck enough that I pointed them out to the boys. I was like, have you ever seen those before? Those new... Look how crazy they are. Can you tell what they say? They didn't seem to understand the magnitude of these signs, how unusual these signposts were. Not only were they odd in their directions, they didn't sit precisely on the corner. So that also is strange. And there were two of them. Actually, I now know I think there might be three. A cacophony of directions. They could only be confusing. That's what I kept saying. They would be so confusing. They must not be real. They must be something else. Why is one set in color and one set is not in color? Those signposts really stuck with me. The impression of them, it is still in my head. Whimsy and magic. I haven't been back that way. But we live in a city where street signs, at least, are important. And signposts are everywhere. They're useful. They're helpful. But street signs are really important. And sometimes I stop and remember that not everyone lives in a city where street signs are quite so important. Other cities are cross-street driven like this one. But I can remember how long it took after moving here to get used to people asking for your cross street. They didn't just want to know your street address. They also wanted to know your cross street. We would call and order a pizza, give our address, and then stumble when asked for our cross street. Our what? Now, cross streets are second nature. And I am old enough to also snap photos of the street signs after I park so that I can remember an hour later where I left the car. Cross streets are important. Directional arrows are important. Seeing cross signs turned into street art that day, which I sort of figured even when I was stopped at that light is what they must be. It was wonderful. It was so wonderful. It was just so cool. I wanted to be able to hop out right then and go explore and take it all in and not be on the way to an appointment. And then a month or so after that, Someone shared a video about the crossroads between should and must. The phrase caught my attention. I made a note to watch it. I left the window open for a really long time on my computer, but I was really focused on sketchnote practice at that point. And I didn't wanna watch that video. I didn't wanna take time to stop and watch a video if I wasn't gonna be able to sketchnote it. At least that's what I kept telling myself if I hadn't been going to do that, I might have just turned it on and let it play while I was working. But I kept it open. I kept thinking, I will stop. I will give it my full attention with a piece of paper and a pen. I will listen. And I will make notes. So it stayed open for a long time. Day after day, I just didn't get to it. And before I ever managed to watch, I realized that there was a book, a book. So I reserved the book. And I brought the book home. And then one late afternoon, early evening, I opened that book. This is a powerful book. The Crossroads of Should and Must. Find and Follow Your Passion by L. Luna. That is the book I'm going to talk about today. And it has been a few weeks. I've mentioned it. I've alluded to it. It has been a while, but nothing can take away that sensation I had when I opened up that book, something just came rushing up and spilling out of that book in my awareness of reading it that first time. It was really wonderful and powerful. It has taken me too long to do it. I should have just done it right then. This weekend, even I've toyed, I've tinkered, I've procrastinated. I've looked at the book several times again. I have again, faced how excited parts of this book make me and how much I love this book and the style of this book and the voice of this book. And I've also faced and pushed aside and dusted off and swept away and all the things that go back and forth with dealing with my own responses, the other voices in me that respond to this book. But the biggest voice is that one that's so enamored. It isn't like me to put off sharing a book that has so much power and potential and is so inspiring, but sometimes with the books that are the biggest, that happens. I love this book. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say it several times because no matter what else I say, I do want to say that I love this book. I think it is brilliant. It is powerful. It is inspiring. It is a whoosh of conviction that we need Whoosh of conviction that so many of us want. We want to be able to grab and hold on to that kind of swell tide. And really, that's what this book offers a story, her story, an approach, a philosophy, and the encouragement that really you can and maybe you should. And the question. That you need to ask is, if you aren't doing this, why not, and what is at risk if you don't? So El Luna is a name that many of you probably know. She is one of the people behind the popular One Hundred Days project that many of you do. And this book is not exactly new, but somehow, as is so often the case, I slept through it. I slept through this book, I slept through the origins of the 100 Day Project. I am never hip enough or cool enough or in enough to know about the cool books when they hit. That story seems to play out for me again and again and again. I am never exactly in the right place or right space or right circle or right sphere at the right time to be in the know and in the mix and in the bubble as things happen. I never did even go back and see the original video that started all of this. I saw a different one. And then I saw bits of others because I was curious then. And then I realized that this message is now almost a circuit. It's a talk. So I think many of you will maybe already know this book and this story, but I didn't. Last week, I mentioned opening a book while standing in the kitchen. I had the Anchored feeling of the bare feet on the floor, of being in that triangular wedge of sunlight coming from the window, of the coffee making, of the quiet of morning, opening books while moving around, while in motion, this growing lack of focus, and yet this barrage of sensory awareness that all anchored in that book in that moment that created this moment and memory of all of these things converging at one point. The night I opened Crossroads, it was similar. It must have been a Thursday because I know that I had to go after that and pick up my student. And I was so excited by the bit I had read that I recorded in the car. I was so just bouncing inside, so... Full that I had to let some of it out, that I wanted to talk about it, that I wanted right then to be able to say, hey, have you seen this? And hey, this is so the kind of book that I am all about, that I am all about, that I would someday want to do, that in whatever way I always feel like I am doing, just not. On paper. I think I just found the book, the right book, the right moment. I just sent that to someone in a text and said I just found the right book, the right book, the right book, the right moment and I can't wait to sit and read through all of it. There's this entire breadcrumb trail How could I not have known about this book? I wanted to talk to you about that book. And I have the sense that I opened that book again while standing in the kitchen, again while in the middle of doing something else. Maybe I was making dinner or waiting for pasta to boil. I can't remember. But I picked the book up from the stack. I opened it and I got sucked in. Now I'm holding this book, which is a completely different moment of energy and awareness and possibility and reach and hope. There's something about this book that is completely just riveted. Completely sucked in. I fell into this book, fell hard. I have talked about lots and lots and lots of books through the years. And there are many books that have been powerful for me personally. And many books that have felt somehow symbolic or mystical in the finding in the timing, in the reading, in the knowing, in the sudden awareness, in the reflection that they bring about, the introspection, the aha. So I walked back and forth with this book and I felt the same empowered and empowering feeling, this oh overwhelm, this sense of, oh my goodness, Where has this book been? And at the very beginning, she even says, you know, it might be just be the right time for this book to fall into your hands. And I just, I say all the time, the universe is speaking. And I think this book is a little bit about the universe speaking. So something was right about this one right now. It's okay that I didn't know about it two years ago, because something was right about it the night that I found it. I feel like I've been coming to the point of reading this book, maybe, and didn't even know it. So something was right about this one right now, at least in terms of the overall, the overall philosophy of this book, the concept, the book itself. There's so much that I love about the format of this book, too. It hits all of my buttons and buckets. It really does. So what's it all about? If you don't already know Elle's story, you can go watch one of Myriad videos where she tells this story, or track down the original post on Medium, which started all of this. I am actually really glad that I went out and checked out the initial post on Medium. I got a little bit more of the story there and I'm really glad I did that. I'm really glad now that I've seen the story and a video and the book. Or you can pick up this book. The story you will hear is of a successful young woman working at a startup on some very well known apps. And she keeps having this dream, a recurring dream of a white room with windows. And you need to go watch her or read her tell about this dream. But she doesn't let go of this dream. This dream that she keeps having, it sticks with her. And that is a powerful part of this story because. She doesn't let go of this dream that she keeps having. She doesn't know what it means or what it is telling her. But eventually she goes looking for it on Craigslist. And she finds an apartment that matches her dream, which she then rents. And then she paints. And this stepping from the dream into the real world The dream embodied in a real space is a start. It's a beginning. It is a doorway to something else for her. And ultimately, she quits her job to follow this dream, to create something new. She faces this fork in the road between should and must. And she finds that the white room is part of her must. And she chooses to follow must and everything works out. So the book is a nudge. It's an invocation. It's a reminder to all of us that if we open ourselves to it, we may each find spaces of should and must and the decisions that they bring. If we really stop and look, are we happy doing what we're doing? Or is there some other voice within us? Is there something else that really we wish we were doing or want to be doing or think we should be doing, or something else that would bring us into better balance overall. This book is about the moments of should that we each face, and the voice of must, and the opportunity we have to listen and to follow must, to cultivate a relationship with must. And this is something she says that we have to do over and over and over again, Because of course, the voice of should is very strong. And every day there are decisions we make every day that can be thought of as decisions that are at these crossroads between should and must little decisions, big decisions, both little decisions. What should I do with this 30 minutes? Big decisions. Is this job really the right place for me? So what do I love about this book? The story is great. It's compelling. It's inspiring. She is compelling. She is inspiring. The story is told through a combination of regular prose, many, many call out sections and quotes and questions done in a poster and lettered style. It's very effective. It definitely brings to mind Debbie Millman as well. There's a combination of illustration, Illustration of things mentioned, things said, suggestions or steps, diagrams, examples. I love the feel to the illustration. I love the lettering. I really like the way the story is broken up visually in a way that offers space. It makes things accessible, bigger, bolder, headlined, summarized, crossroads. It isn't all buried in the heavy prose. Instead, you get this missive this story, this moment of your own potential and possibility. It worked for her. Maybe it will work for you. I do think there is something very different in reading this kind of empowering and motivational book when you are younger. I am tempted to say 30 something or less and unencumbered or unencumbered at any age. Your degree of encumberment, I think, is really important to face head on and to understand. Because how this story plays out is different for each person. Your contours do make a difference. But L includes stories of people at all ages, people who followed Must. There are realities. Some people can't just give in to Must, just go that direction. Some people basically will have to keep doing the Should while they try and fit in the must. And she does deal with that. And she does acknowledge that. And a big part of this book, I think, really is directed at people who are going to have to do this in bits, who are going to have to have a balance, I think, between should and must. Not everyone's going to be able to follow the same kind of path and story that she was able to follow. Fit it in. Fit it in. That's right. Fit it in in 10 minute intervals. She writes quote, the most effective way to find your must is to find 10 minutes. Because while running away from all your obligations to focus uninterrupted on your must for months, sounds romantic, the harder, trickier and more sustainable way is to make shifts every day within your existing reality to integrate not obliterate. Finding pockets of time for your must is a daily effort. And once you have that pocket of time, move from thinking about your must to doing something about it. 10 minutes can be found all over the place. End quote. And she has examples 10 minute windows. These are crevices and nooks and crannies that are at the heart of this show, of this podcast. The reality that to nurture your creative journey, Which is what I call it, to nurture your creative journey, you may have to find and use those small windows of time. Work on small projects or projects over time, work in small bursts. Really develop practices that make you focus in those small windows of time, maximize your efficiency, your productivity, while hanging on to your passion and whimsy for those moments work in margins. This is the practical approach, really. This is the practical approach. And maybe by this point, the glow started to fade just a bit for me because I think already this is the approach I have. This is my life. This is my life. I stand at the crossroads of should and must, and I'm trying to do both. I'm trying to do both. And I'm doing the one in the margins. I am not sure it will ever transition to something more. I'm not sure I'm ever going to completely go one direction or another. Somehow these directional arrows for me both go the same way, or in the path I am creating, they both point the same way, which isn't the same as saying that I'm doing something that fulfills both. And really, there is something very different in just closing the door on should and living your must, which some can do. And that is a wonderful thing. It's amazing to read about. There's something different, though, between doing that and waking up each day to greet your should so that you can at some point squeak in your moment of must, your 10 minutes here and your 10 minutes there. Those are very different. They feel very different to me. They really feel different to me. But I am old. And I am jaded. I am both of those things. And yet I really still loved this book. So most of us don't have what I somehow think of as the luxury of closing the door on should. But this book gives you the moment of vicariously living that moment, the bright and shiny ray of hope that such a dream can in fact, come true. You can make it happen. And it might just start at Craigslist. But that version of the story won't work for everyone. And I do think that Elle's goal in Crossroads really is to set up an awareness of the difference between should and must, and then an action plan for how you can start honoring your must more in your life. Part of this approach relates to ideas from Stefan Zagmeister. He talks about the difference between a job, a career, and a calling. And Elle's idea is that it is possible for those, all three, to be the same. That's the dream. Doing what you love and making a living of it too. Making your must sustainable and sustaining. In the book, Elle has suggestions for people who may not know what their must is because tuning in, hearing the call, recognizing that drive, that is part of this. And then once you realize there is something there, once you finally start hearing it again, maybe you have completely closed that door or buried something away or tucked something away because you have been so busy doing the should, the should, moving forward step by step on this path of should and you've completely closed off those other voices. Maybe that is you, and maybe you don't immediately know your must. So she has ideas for finding that again, finding that thread. Quote, thinking that your must will appear fully formed is like believing you can write a book by wishing and thinking, but doing one small thing daily, pick up the pen, write a paragraph, make a list of words. That is how your must will appear end quote. In the book, there are exercises to help you think about your must, suggestions to kickstart both how you visualize your life and how you expand your skills and open yourself up to new avenues where your must might be lurking. There is an emphasis on writing things down and tacking them up, on looking at these things, on putting these things in front of you over and over and over again once you have identified your must there's an emphasis on claiming it acknowledging it affirming it there are also sections and crossroads that address some of the major challenges that come up when facing our must money time space and vulnerability or fear those are important sections these issues stumbling blocks she calls them are Big enough that they stop many people from ever daring to dream of a life that follows must. These are important considerations. They really are. These all go together. They make up this network that feeds should, definitely, because should sometimes enables us to deal with these things and how we deal with them in the world of must might be a little different, might be a little more intimidating, or scary or unsure. But maybe they aren't quite as big as we sometimes think. And maybe there are ways to work around limitations of time and space, especially. And she has suggestions for that. At the beginning of Crossroads, L writes, quote, I wrote this book to share what I have found most helpful in navigating my own journey, as well as what has been most helpful for the people I met. However, you're not holding a book of answers, because only you know those. You're holding a collection of the most effective questions I encountered along the way. Think of these pages as a series of doorways designed so that you can choose which way your journey will go. End quote. And on the next page, lettered in shifting color that makes me think of those pencils that change color as you write, quote, these pages are a pep talk to honor that voice inside of you that says you have something special to give. It's a reminder that while there is no map for where you are going, many have traveled this road before. End quote. I really loved this book. I wish I could do it all over again and be 22 and find this book. Part of me says I would paint such a different picture. I would write a different story. Hindsight is a carefully crafted and prismatic lens. If you handed me this book at 22, though, I still don't know if I would have really understood my must or how to follow it. And at the same time, I think I thought I was doing exactly that. I think I thought I was doing exactly that. But as I've gotten older, my must has gotten stronger. It has changed a little bit, but it has also gotten stronger. My must is some days so big that it does not fit in my body. And yet it has companions too. Companions that complicate the landscape. I don't think at this point, I'm going to make giant changes. But I do think that I am an advocate for this idea of must. I might call it something else, but I talk about it similarly. And I live my talk. I do live my talk. I am living this talk in small ways. And those small ways have gotten bigger. And I have allocated more and more time over the years Ways that I know are critical to my own balance, my happiness, my attempts at making sense and understanding myself, the world around me, the journey, what it's all about, what it's all about. I love her voice in this book. I encourage you to check it out. Pick up a copy. This is a giftable book for sure. This is a book that at some time may be exactly what you need, the message you need to hear or read or see but it might also be the message that you need to share with someone else, the message that you know someone else needs. I think you will find her very inspiring, very compelling. Read the book, watch a video, write down your must, write down your own set of post-it notes or index cards and tack them up. Make a page in your planner and make a list. What do you think it is right now? So many things go hand in hand with this for sure. In the many weeks since I read the book, I have thought about those street signs over and over again, the signs I saw while driving. And I haven't been in that direction again. I haven't been able to get a closer look. The image of them has stuck with me. Poking around online, I did pull up an article about them. Not as many things as I thought I might find. I really thought I would be able to find a bunch of photos and information. I did discover that it is a piece of art. I think there are three sets of those signs. I definitely want to go and get a closer look. And I will link to at least one article that I read in the show notes. And this is funny. I just want to end with this because as I thought about this show and caught myself using all these words interchangeably, street signs, crossroads, cross signs, directional arrows, I realized I wasn't really sure what these things are called. These kind of signposts that have the arrows that go different ways that show you if you go this way, you'll find this, this, and this. You see these in malls. You see these in tourist areas. So I figured I should figure out what they're actually called. I took a bit of hit or miss searching, really, to finally conclude that directional street signs is actually the common phrase. So I've used a whole bunch of different ways of saying that above, but directional street signs. There you go. You're welcome. I am the art. The art is me. And that is it for today. That is it for episode 331. Not a word about Inktober. I will do that next. I will do that next week. I really put off editing the last show. I've lapped myself. And next week, I hope to talk a little bit more about Inktober get back into some drawing gear talking. I know many of you are doing it. And some of you are not, and that's totally okay, too. As always, I'm Amy. Thank you for listening. You can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy and as creativity matters podcast. Thank you to those of you who support the show at Patreon. Your support means a great deal to me. And I really appreciate those of you who are there. Patreon.com slash creativity matters. You can also find me in the creativity matters podcast group at Facebook. That is a very small community of women. It is a female only group and we share both our art day to day, our successes, our struggles, our questions, as well as just a supportive creative community until next time. Remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone.